Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. You know, two years into the pandemic, many of us can certainly point to the disruption of our daily routines, our relationship to work, our enhanced focus on safety and security, and significant changes in how we're conducting business. Now, one of the first impacts of the pandemic was actually on our supply chains, where suddenly shipments weren't arriving on time and manufacturing components weren't available. And in BC, we also had the perfect storm in November of the atmospheric river that destroyed vast parts of our transportation infrastructure. Now, all of this has provoked a question of whether traditional systems of infrastructure are sufficiently resilient and whether alternatives might be in order now as we we need to develop in this new normal of disrupted patterns. My guest today is someone who spent a lot of time thinking about this in his work with Kiwit, which is one of North America's largest construction and engineering firms. It's immersed in innovation in this field. Jason Block is vice president of Kiwit's Western Canadian Engineering Operations. He joins me now. Good to see you. Good to see you, Kirk. Thanks for having me today. Hey, look, uh, let's start with assessing um, the vulnerabilities of, of delivery systems and uh, engineering of all of this and, and whether the pandemic and um, for that matter, something like the, the atmospheric river uh, through you know, a, a huge curveball to something that you hadn't seen before, even spending a couple of decades looking at this. Yeah, you know, it was a really uh, unique experience, Kirk. I mean, I, like you said, I mean, it was something that was unforeseen. It was unexpected. Um, but I think it really, a couple of things really drew to mind uh, at least personally through the whole thing is that one, just how vulnerable a lot of our infrastructure is, but also yeah. I think to kind of lost in a lot of the discussions, how well a large portions of it stood up. I mean, it, a lot of the, a lot of the infrastructure that has been built in this province was extremely resilient, held up really well. And I think mm-hmm. the, the storm really brought to our attention, you know, areas that we need to improve in and maybe look at, and really set ourselves up for future events. Because frankly, I mean, I know there's a lot of naysayers out there, but I think this is a growing trend and something we're going to have to deal with and and really grapple with as a society is how do we ensure that these critical links that we have do remain open? What what would you say are some of the learnings in all of this, Jason, initially as a result of that uh, serious flooding and, uh, and the atmospheric river? You know, the thing that I really took away, Kirk, is we have to be prepared. Um, you know, when these things occur, it's not like you have a six-month rolling average where you could get everything in place and be ready. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, we need to be ready to move quickly. I think uh, the authorities need to know who they can rely on. And that's not to say some people can't be relied on. It's just different organizations have different strengths. Uh, I think we need a high level of collaboration amongst um, government officials, industry, uh, a whole bunch of different groups. We need to be communicating. We need to understand each other. We need to be able to step in and support each other when these things arise. When uh, when that uh, all took place in November, and obviously it went into December before we were really dealing uh, in a very serious way with the repair and all of this, um, it, it reminded me a little bit of the way the pandemic has gone on, which is that um, most of society is basically saying, well, let's just get through this one. But I heard you say earlier that this is not a matter of getting through it. This is a matter of preparing for many more of these. Yeah, and, and, 
and I want to be very clear. I thought, and I think our industry as a whole would say too, that the Ministry of Transportation in this province did an outstanding job. I mean, the professionalism of the men and women who work for the ministry really shone through in this. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, their leadership was key and, and they really stepped it up. And, and as, as a taxpayer, I felt great. I mean, I really saw value for money in what they delivered. And yeah. I think that, um, you know, if we don't have those relationships in place and we don't have an ongoing robust plan, almost like a living document, I would say, Kirk, like it's not something that we can sit down, we can write once and we can say, hey, this is the manual. This is how we're going to deal with these situations. But really have a have an ongoing discussion saying, you know, OK, this event happened. What went well? What could be improved upon? What do we need in the future from industry to support us? How could we have designed this differently? How maybe could it have been built differently? Just that ongoing discussion, we're going to get to the right answer, but I think it's critical that we have that. Do you sense that that attitude is emerging, Jason? Because in a lot of cases, people are quite reluctant to change. They look at a once in a lifetime situation like that atmospheric river and go, well, you know, we're not going to face that again. Thank goodness that's out of the way. Um, let's go back to the way we were doing things. Yeah, no, I wouldn't agree with that, Kirk. I would, I would say that um, the, I would say that what I'm seeing or we're seeing is a real open dialogue between different groups about how mm-hmm. we can move forward and look at this. Um, I think one of the things that maybe wasn't seen by the general public and that's it's natural that they wouldn't have, but really was the way industry and the ministry of transportation. I mean, I can only speak from my own experience, the way those two groups really came together and worked positively to find solutions. And you, you know, and, and I obviously am involved to some degree, uh, you know, whether it be through, through workshops or there's a bunch of work coming up that the province is going to roll out you know, really seeing the province look at this in a different manner and trying to find, um, you know, not, I don't, progressives is sometimes a misused word, but realizing that maybe we can't redo, we can't do going forward the way we've necessarily done it in the past. And I think that's a positive. Yeah. Well, you said that, you know, the public doesn't see a lot of this uh, and it, it is quite true. I mean, we, we, uh, we watched the bridge get rebuilt, uh, the highway get reopened, the rail line, um, get get redone, and uh, you know, to the layperson, it's a bit of a modern miracle. Um, but tell me now, let's get into some specifics about what you think some of these, uh, whether they're alternatives or whether they're improvements or enhancements, you know, what they can and can't really do in this time ahead. Yeah, well, I think one of the big things is the way that we're looking at procurement. And I, I know procurement is not the most exciting thing in the world, but I, I think that, you know, to the general person. And, and But it really is the foundation of how we deliver the infrastructure that we need. And that's really been evolving over the, a number of years here. I first saw it in the private sector, now it's starting to happen in the public sector. But you know, traditionally, we delivered projects along a very defined uh, path, right? Mm-hmm. Government decided they wanted to build a new bridge. They got some consulting work done, and they would put it out to take design to a certain perspective all the way or partway. Then there'd be a procurement for, you know, a con- contractor to come and build it. And then we go back to handing it over to the ministry. Now, that, that process worked 
works really well, had worked well, uh, but it takes a long time. And projects have grown more complex. They've grown more challenging. Um, and I think, too, there's a realization that if you can bring designers and contractors together earlier in the process, you're going mm-hmm. to find a way to build a project that may be more constructible, may be more suited. And frankly, when you've got everybody sitting around the table working collaboratively, you can also react quicker to different ideas and, and, and uh, adaptate that in. And I think that's a real positive. Yeah. You can see, though, right now that um, governments are, are right now spending quite a bit of money. And, and obviously, we need that. We need it back into the system. We need support. But um, do you at all worry that then we're going to become so cost conscious that we're, we're going to shortchange a lot of these changes that need to be done? Yeah, that's a good question, Kirk. And I, I, yeah, that's a good question. I think that we are spending money appropriately in the right areas. I think, um, I think that, you know, for our province, and I'm a British Columbian, I mean, as, as we, you know, we're here in BC talking about this, I think we all understand the need for a very robust well thought out, well designed, well built infrastructure program that works. You know, and it's, I'm not just talking highways and bridges. It's rail. It's our ports. You know, it's how we get from A to B. And um, you know, spending money on that, and some will say I'm biased, but spending money on that is is a really good investment for us as as taxpayers and citizens. And also, um, yeah, I I think we are doing the right thing, Kurt. Yeah. Okay. uh, What I wonder about too, Jason, is, uh, I mean, as a society, we have, um, we have built in, I think in the last 25 to 30 years, things like just in time delivery. Mm -hmm. And and we've depended on this infrastructure to be so meticulous, so brilliant that, you know, you're, you're, you're putting the manufacturing component in the factory, you know, 24 hours before it's needed as part of the manufacturing process, those kinds of things. Is there also maybe going to emerge out of this the fact that maybe perhaps we have to re-examine something like that because our, our systems have that vulnerability and, and may not be able to sustain, uh, to sustain? Yeah, that's that's an argument you know we hear increasingly. I think that's, that's out there in the public space. I'd actually argue the opposite. I, I would say yeah. that, you know, our... The, the just-in-time delivery system that we have has brought a lot of benefits to us as a society. And mm-hmm. all things being considered, I mean, we had a major storm that wiped out, as we all know, all the access in and out of Vancouver. Now, in five weeks, that was, for the most part, back up and running again. Now, that may seem like a long time, but really in the grand scope of time and space, that's not a long time at all. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the fact is, is that a lot of the benefits that we have seen because of just in time uh, will continue. And, and I guess what I'm really trying to say, Kirk, is I think the system we have is extremely resilient and well built. And I think that, you know, we're not having to scrap it and start from zero. Rather, it's a matter of saying, hey, here we are today. We're at this point. How, what do we need to do to take it to the next level? And I think that's really where we are. It's, it's the system is the system bent, 
it cracked, but it didn't break. I mean, things are up and running. People, people are getting their goods and services. It's moving. So I think we need to keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I think it is worth keeping in mind. When I saw those first pictures of highways being washed out, bridges being knocked down, um, all kinds of things, I thought, well, it, it'll be the summer. It'll be, <laughs> you know, we'll be without this for a year. Um, and here we are uh, back pretty well, you know, pretty well with business as usual. So, so okay, so um, I'll accept the, the argument here that there is a sufficient resilience in the system and there's room for improvement. So let's talk about what you think ought to be the priorities for decision makers in, in both the public and the private sector, this high level um, uh, approach that you think is necessary now. Um, what would be some of the priorities, do you think? I, I think that the prior, one, of the, one of the priorities I think is that we should move to, and I said it earlier, but I really believe strongly that uh, a very progressive procurement policy. And, and, you know, progressive can mean a bunch of everything. Progressive design build. It can mean, uh, you know, CMGC. These are terms we use a lot in our industry, but it's really how do you get projects out quicker? How do you involve a collaborative approach that takes a contractor, designer, and the client, in this case, would be the Ministry of Transportation, or it could be CN or CP, any of those groups. How do you bring that group together to really work through what is the right answer? What is the most robust um, set of infrastructure that's needed? And how do we really draw upon the different groups' strengths and understanding to make sure what we get is the best, best for project? And, you know, in the case of Kiwit, and it's not just Kiwit, but I, I, I'm with Kiwit, obviously, I can talk to Kiwit. But we can draw on experience from across North America, things that we're doing, you know, be it in Texas or be it in Alaska or, you know, something like that. You've got, we've got a great designer community in this province. It's truly outstanding. I don't think people realize how good our consulting engineering community in this province is. But behind them, oftentimes, is similar ties, not just in North America, but around the world. And... By bringing that expertise together and drawing on that, not only can you severely shorten the period of time that something needs to be procured, but you're really getting the best for project experience. And it's not to say that in the past that hasn't happened. It has. This is just a way to do it quicker. Well, I wonder whether one of the lessons for uh, for this is, is looking at how the scientific community um, pooled together and um, figured out how to get a vaccine in very short order for something like uh, the coronavirus that we thought would take two or three years. Um, so, so that kind of speed um, brings about, of course, you know, some vulnerability, there's, there's some issues there, but it, it, is it also necessary, do you think, for there to be a stronger sense of collaboration between yeah, private absolutely. and public? Absolutely, yeah? absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of collaboration. Um, I think that at the end of the day, you know, people get into our industry, you know, heavy civil construction, engineering, because they really have a passion to build things and build them well. I mean, if, you're, if your mantra is to build something half done, you're not going to last very long. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, you've really got people who are passionate about what they're doing. They want to bring the best. They, they've got experience they want to share. And, you know, collaboration really brings that all together. And, and, and your point, Kurt, about the virus and, and finding that, 
you know, what, how we found a way to get around that or, or work towards these things. I mean, that's a great, great example. I mean, you have pooled knowledge, you have people working together and, and for a common goal at the end of the day too, which is always critical. Yeah, uh, but also understanding what that common goal is, it was very, very important for the scientific community. Um, so if, if you can point to something like, you know, a, a, the nudge factor that's needed here, like what, where, what would you say would be a gap at the moment that we have that we need to fill in order to get to this better system of, of development of our infrastructure? Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, it sounds kind of weird to say this, but change is hard, Kirk. Like, I mean, in anything in life. And I think we, we've done things a certain way for a long time, be it delivery of infrastructure, be it the roles and responsibilities that different groups have. And, you know, going to something different, uh, it's, it's going to be a change for people. And, and that's, that can be complicated. That can be challenging. It can be scary. But I think really giving it a chance and embracing it and trying it out. It's not new, new. I mean, this has been done in the private sector for decades. This is really the method that complex projects are delivered by private companies. Um, and, you know, we're also seeing public sector uh, entities deliver projects in this collaborative manner across North America and Europe. Uh, all, all over the place and, and, you know, not just in the United States and Canada as well. So, you know, maybe the thing we needed was this event in November that really put a, put a light on, hey, how do we build back better? How do we build back quicker? How do we ensure we're getting what we need? Uh, maybe this is the opportunity we have to, to use it. And, you know, I believe it will deliver and, and then we can start using it in other cases. Now, it's not, it's not to be used for everything. Um, it's for specific cases. Uh, and I think that's important to understand and recognize as well. You, um, you, you were very effusive in your praise of the way um, uh, authorities responded uh, in November and December. Um, you know, you, you, it looks as if things were done quite, quite well. I think everyone gave high marks to what it was. I'm going to throw one last question in on you, though. If, if one of these were to happen again tomorrow and, um, and we had the same kind of destruction, um, anything that you think would, would be a lesson that was learned from this last one that you could apply right away? Anything that you see there? Yeah, I mean, there's always lessons to be learned, Kirk. I mean, you, you learn more from when things go sideways than you do when things go well, right? So um, I, I think that I think that as industry, you know, we need to we need to be even more prepared to step up to support uh, the public agencies. I think that's um, that's a lesson I think I would take away. And I, and I'm not just saying from Kiwit. I mean, all of us, right? I mean there was a real groundswell of support and people wanting to um, get in there and help. But, you know, we also need to ensure that when we do those things that we're actually adding real value. And, and I, I think that, um, you know, in the, in the first couple of days, the ministry really stepped up, a lot of contractors stepped up, but you know, how do we do that even quicker the next time? How do we really um, ensure that, you know, a five week, you know, getting the Coca-Cola built back in five weeks, how do we ensure next time it's three? How can we get to two? And, you know, 
you don't want to have too much redundancy built into things, especially if there's a, an exceedingly high cost for that. But, you know, are there other things that we can do, you know, whether it's stockpiled materials, and I'm just talking off, top, off the top of my head, but are there things we can do in greater uh, appreciation for the future? I'm sure there is. Uh, I, I bet you that'd be a great podcast for the future as well. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's always room to grow and I think we'll be better. We'll definitely be better off for the next one. Yeah. Well, it, and as you point out, I mean, uh, next time uh, we're going to need to be uh, swifter. The one thing I do wonder about at times, and I think you, you would share this view too, which is we um, as a society and as a, as a general public, we don't, you know, we don't think about our infrastructure until it breaks down, right? Yeah. And uh, and it's not a big vote getter for politicians. Um, occasionally, a bridge is and all that, but largely speaking, a really you know really good rail line is not a winner. So we're going to have to find a way to get our minds around that too, to have a greater appreciation of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think that. I mean, this was a unique, unique situation in the sense it doesn't happen all the time. And, you know, God forbid it continues to happen all the time. We don't want that. But I think uh, a discussion in the public space about the priority of infrastructure and why it matters and how it can really make people and how not how it can, but also how it does make people's lives better is really needed. Um you know, I, I mean, I'm obviously biased. I'm in the industry. I think what we do is critically important, but it's it's how it makes other things that are actually more critically important than what we do for society even better, right? Like my grandfather used to always say the most important job we have is the garbage collectors because without them, it would be sheer chaos, right? And without great infrastructure, we can't help the garbage men and women get around and do their job that make sure all of us are safe right? Like from disease and whatnot. So I think an ongoing robust discussion about infrastructure and why it's important, or, you know, why we want to expand, uh, you know, SkyTrain, why we want to ensure that our ports are as efficient as possible and can get trains in and out in trucks with as minimal disruption, not only to them, but to the traveling public. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, at Kiva, we have a saying, the most important thing is that the stakeholders of the province can get home safely from wherever they're going to wherever they want to go to. And I think, you know, that kind of mindset or understanding of it's the parents in the Volvo driving their kids to soccer practice. That's ultimately we want to make sure that that trip or trips of that nature are done without people thinking about them. We succeed. But if people aren't thinking about them, then they're also not thinking about how we got there or why we're doing it. So I'm rambling a bit, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I agree with you that an ongoing appreciation and discussion about why infrastructure is critical and how we make it as robust as possible is important. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating a infrastructure appreciation holiday or anything like that. But but we're I will okay say that I, we're OK. If well, you want. okay. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell my boss that. Uh, but but I, I will say that you know, I think in the same way that frontline workers and scientists are now newly appreciated. Um, I think the, the people that rebuild uh, the, the you know some of the province's uh, ruined infrastructure in a real hurry. Um, there's a bit of a window there to to get um, some kind of a new well, you know a new settling of uh, of appreciation and all of this. Anyway, Jason, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time and your expertise and. 
and you've shed a lot of light on uh, on where this is all going. And let's hope that, in fact, a lot of your ideas are are going to be uh, pursued in terms of having a stronger sense of collaboration and uh, and speed in all of this. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Kirk. Anytime. Have a great day and be safe. Jason Block is a Kiewitz, uh Director of uh, Western Canadian Engineering Operations. I'm Kirk LaPointe, and uh, actually he's Vice President of Kiewitz Western Canadian Engineering Operations. I never like shortchanging someone's uh, title. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Publisher and Editor-in-Chief at Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching.